drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Congratulations, you have survived the weekend. You made it back. Just imagine what your week is going to entail this week and what you're going to get to accomplish, whether it's at school, at work, in the house, or wherever. Praise be to God, you get an opportunity. We're going to have a great week of uh, shows for you this week. Looking forward to it. Today's going to be a jam-packed program. Uh, We have Julia Maloney on the program. She has a book come out uh, from Tan Publishing, The St. Gallen Mafia Exposing the Secret Reformist Group Within the Church. That's coming up at 35 past the hour. You might remember we had her on a few weeks or maybe a month or so ago now, but uh, she's back with us today to talk about this uh, brand new book out. Also on the program at, at 15 past the hour, Christine Niles from Church Militant is going to be on with us to tell us about this report that she just released about uh, a, a restructuring, a reorganization in the Archdiocese of Detroit. What's going on there? Christine Niles from Church Militant will be on to discuss that with us. So praise be to God for that. Uh, I, you know, I had a great weekend. I had my son and I went hunting, or really was scouting on Saturday afternoon, and we. I came like a, a breath away from stepping on a cottonmouth snake, uh, which was the least of the the actual exciting part, because it was a ginormous rat snake that made me stop in my tracks uh, that was right in front of me and caught my attention, which was a beautiful snake, actually. Very large, and I saw it to slither up into a tree, and that was super cool. But then I wasn't paying attention and almost stepped on a cottonmouth, and my son was like, Dad, stop! You know, so it was kind of fun. And, uh, and exciting to, uh, to be in the woods again. It's, I guess, the heart pumping. At any rate, in spite of the heart pumping, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. <clears throat> really? Man, is it? My, is yeah, it? it I is. Mean, it is a good morning. Because that was convincing. To, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I haven't spoken this morning yet. I, wow. Just kept my, kept my mouth shut all morning. <laughs> in spite of it all. Uh, in spite of it all. You know, despite the fact that I can't speak today, uh, it's still going to be here. How was your weekend? Oh, it was great. It was great. We, uh... We're pretty busy. It was at uh, God uh, went to a uh, barbecue on Saturday. Uh, you were you were there, right? No, that mail never came through. I, wild, unfortunately. Wild, yeah, unfortunately. And then mm. Friday, uh, what did I do Friday? I can't even remember. My, it's funny. I, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. What did you do on Friday? I don't know. Anything? I I went. Mm. I guess I I did something. I know I did, but I don't remember what it was anymore. That's kind of wild. Um, hmm. I was at. I think I was at a church event. But I don't this remember what we exciting. did. This is really it, It's really excited. not that exciting. <laughs> if you just if once I remember, it's not even that exciting. Uh, maybe I'll remember by the second hour. <laughs> I, well, there you go, folks. It's going to be that kind of a Monday. Praise be to God. Well, uh, like I said, uh, Julia Maloney is our guest today. Saying, what did we talk to Julia about the last time she was on? That is a great question too. Uh, I, <laughs> she was on like two months ago. Uh, has it been that long? It has been that long. It has wow. been quite a while. Um, oh, I went to Kima. That's what I did. There you go. <laughs> you I, went, that you I went. I went to, to the Kima. boardwalk. I went to the boardwalk with <laughs> some hilarious. people from church. Uh, so we got a group together and we went out to Kima, rode some rides. So it's a, a boardwalk kind of thing. So there you go. 
All right. Well, praise be to God. Hey, uh, by the way, did you hear that the uh, Astros defeated the Red Sox and are headed towards oh, the yeah. World Series? Oh, yeah. Being in Houston, mm. uh, that's all we heard. And, we, and of course, the beautiful Vietnamese Dominican sisters were, were present there. And the, I, I, I hear that they're a huge Internet uh, uh, success. Absolutely. 100%. They're trending on Twitter. Everybody's calling them. Uh, what are they? Are they saying the... Uh, Angels in the outfield. Angels in the outfield. That's hilarious. <laughs> so there you go. The, the Dominican sisters, good friends of ours in Houston. So yeah. praise be to God. Amen. We have had uh, many opportunities to hang out with the Vietnamese sisters. Their their chapel is very lovely, as a matter of fact. Mm. And uh, I love to listen to them um, uh, chant in the in their Vietnamese language. It's quite beautiful. Or pray the rosary in their Vietnamese language. It is quite lovely. So it's nice to see the Vietnamese sisters getting out and about. And uh, special hat tip to uh, Mattress Mac for generously sponsoring their tickets. I hear he's trying to send them to the World Series as well. Oh, praise be to God. That'd be great. I would, I mean, baseball uh, how, players that, are cheap. very superstitious, <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised if they can get a crowdfunding thing and send all the sisters to the World Series. Yeah. Would well, not be surprised. It won't be cheap to go to, to send that many no, sisters. To not them. at all. At, at any rate. All right, so we got to jump into our uh, hour this hour. We have uh, breaking news and stories coming up right now. And then, of course, uh, we're going to have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. We're going to have a What's Concerning Us with Christine Niles on the report out of Detroit, what I'm calling the Detroit Reformation. Hmm. And then, uh, then we will have Julia Maloney on about the St. Gallen Mafia at 35 past. So let's pray for your intentions, conversion of sinners around the world, and the hierarchy of the church to hold fast to the patrimony, the teaching, and the tradition, the, the mission to save souls. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headlines. Epic Times reports, Sweden extends pause of Moderna vaccine for under 30s due to heart-related side effects. Epic Times reports Braves versus Astros, a World Series matchup of epic proportions. Um, the, uh, the two teams will meet for the first time since 2017 on Game 1 Tuesday night in, in Houston. Let's go Astros. The Blaze reports U.S. says it killed senior Al-Qaeda leader in drone strike. No civilians uh, in the attack. U.S. airstrike executed in Syria resulted in the death of senior Al-Qaeda leader Abdul Hamad al-Matar. According to a statement from U.S. Central Command Army Major Je uh, John Rigsby, the statement noted that there were no signs of civilian casualties as a consequence of the attack, which was carried out by an MQ-9 aircraft on Friday. The Washington Examiner reports Orthodox Patriarch plans to meet with Biden during U.S. visit. The spiritual leader of the Eastern Orthodox Church plans to visit the United States and meet with President Joe Biden he, and also to advocate for religious freedom and attend several religious events. Bartholomew I, the Archbishop of Constantinople and Ecumenical Patriarch of the Eastern Orthodox Church, is scheduled to arrive stateside on Saturday for a 12-day visit. He plans to visit with Biden and other U.S. officials, receive an honorary degree from the University of Notre Dame, and hold ceremonial door opening at a Eastern Orthodox parish in New York that was rebuilt after the September 11, 2001 terrorist attack. 
Archbishop Lapidophoros of the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of America told the Associated Press that the Patriarch is expected to renew calls for the reopening of the Halkai Seminary School of Theology that the Turkish government closed in the 1970s. Epic Times reports fire breaks out on a container ship off the West Coast expelling toxic materials. A fire broke out on Saturday in containers on a cargo ship carrying chemicals off British Columbia, according to officials with the Canadian Coast Guard, which said that it was working with the U.S. Coast Guard to deal with the incident. Sixteen crew members have been evacuated from the Zem Kingston, while five remained on board to battle the fire. The Canadian Coast Guard said in a statement on Saturday, at one point, Coast Guard officials said that as many as 10 containers on the ship carrying mining chemicals were on fire. The Associated Press reports average U.S. price of gas spikes 13 cents per gallon to $3.44. The price at the pump is $1.22 higher than a year ago. Lundberg's survey said on Sunday the rise comes at the cost of crude oil surges. Nationwide, the highest average price for a regular grade gas is in the San Francisco Bay Area at $4.65 per gallon. The lowest average is in Houston, $2.91 per gallon. According to the survey, the average price of diesel jumped to $0.14 to $3.59 a gallon. And those are your headline news. The saint of the day is St. Isidore the Farmer. He was born in 1110 and was born in Madrid of poor but very devout parents, and who was christened Isidore after St. Isidore of Seville. Not able to give him a formal education, his parents, by both word and deed, infused into his soul the utmost horror and dread of all sin, and the most vehement ardor for every virtue, and especially for prayer. His patience in bearing all injuries and overcoming the envy of fellow servants by cordial kindness, his readiness to obey his masters in indifferent things to comply with the inclinations of others, and humbly to serve everyone gave him the most complete victory over himself and of his passions. The labor he considered it as as enjoined to him by God in punishment of sin and a remedy against it. And he performed his work in a spirit of compunction and penance. Many object that their labors and fatigues leave them little time for exercise of religion. Hmm, very common. But Isidore, by directing his attention according to the most holy motives of faith, made his work a most perfect act of religion. He considered it as a duty to God. Therefore, he applied himself to it with the great diligence and care and imitation of the angels in heaven, who in all things fulfill the will of God with the greatest readiness and a clarity of devotion. The more humbling and more painful the labor was, the dearer it was to the saint being a means the more suitable to tame his flesh and a more noble part of his penance. He married a noble lady, Mary Toribia. After the birth of one child which died young, they agreed to serve God in perfect continency. St. Isidore, being seized with sickness of which he died, foretold his last hour and prepared himself for it by redoubling his fervor and with most tender devotion and patience, he had the last sacraments which drew tears from all who were present. Repeating inflamed acts of divine love, he expired on the 15th of May in 1170, being nearly 60 years of age. 
His death was glorified by miracles, and he was beatified by Pius V in 1619 and was made a saint in 1622 through the bull of Benedict XIII. St. Isidore the Farmer, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Jesus was teaching in a synagogue on the Sabbath, and a woman was there who, for 18 years, had been crippled by a spirit. She was bent over, completely incapable of standing erect. When Jesus saw her, he called to her and said, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. He laid his hands on her, and she at once stood up and glorified God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant that Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, said to the crowd in reply, There are six days when work should be done. Come on those days to be cured, not on the Sabbath. The Lord said to him in reply, Hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath unite, untie his axe, untie his ox or his ass from the manger and lead it out for watering? This daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 years now, ought she not to have been set free on the Sabbath day from this bondage? When he said this, all his adversaries were humiliated. And the whole crowd rejoiced at all the splendid deeds done by him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Basil said, Because the head of the brutes is bent down towards the ground and looks upon the earth, but the head of man was made erect towards the heaven, his eyes tending upward, for it becomes us to seek what is above with our sight to pierce beyond earthly things. Now, I love that quote from Basil because it reminded me of Nebuchadnezzar, who, because of his uh, indignant and uh, hard heart, refused to obey God's will, was forced to act like a beast for some period of time before he was relieved and made back into the senses of a man. It should remind us of the purpose, the mission, and our, our very status as creatures of God, unique in creation, have the body, the soul, composite. And we are to look upwards towards heaven. And Jesus, seeing this woman, you know, being afflicted by Satan, allowed to be afflicted by God himself, freed her on the very day where it mattered most, the Sabbath. Because man isn't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath is made for man. Rest in God's presence. Enjoy God's gift to us in the sacraments of Holy Mother Church. There's much more that can be said in the next hour. We will say more. So I encourage you to join us in the next hour, which, by the way, you can hang out with us live on our website or find all the streaming platforms linked up there at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. But we'll be right back with Christine Niles from Church Militant. Bombshell Report coming up next. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. 
GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. Surely, if you're thinking about the reality, the horror, and the enormity of abortion, you have to be moved to do something. Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past this hour, Julia Maloney is going to be on to talk about her brand new book published by Tan, The St. Gallen Mafia, Exposing the Secret Reformist Group Within the Church. That's coming up at 35 past the hour. Joining us right now, though, Christine Niles from Church Militant to talk about her latest report out of Detroit. I'm calling it the Detroit Reformation because it feels that way a little bit. But Christine, good morning to you. Welcome back to our show. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Praise be to God. I am alive, and that counts. Great. Good to be alive. <laughs> I, you know, uh, watching your report, I was thinking back of the time when I became Catholic. Yeah, I came into the church in '99. Bishop McCormick gave me a first Holy Communion and confirmed me. He himself was uh, guilty of 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 moving priests around in the Boston <laughs> Archdiocese under cardinal law. Well, they be, immediately began to consolidate parishes and consolidate and reorganize, and that was very scandalous to many Catholics up in that archdiocese, which blew me away because I thought to myself, what have I just got myself into? Uh, and so I was feeling a little bit of that watching your report. Tell us what is going on in Detroit. Right. So um, the name of the report is Detroit Money Grab, and there's something, a scheme that is taking place in Detroit. It's been in process now for a few years. But it's not just in Detroit. This is happening in dioceses all over the place. Here in Detroit, um, they call it families of parishes. It's a very nice sounding phrase. You know, it families. sure is. Uh, sometimes they use that phrase in other dioceses, or they might say like mission of families, something like that to make it sound very, you know, nice and happy and everybody working together. Essentially, it's consolidating three or four parishes into a grouping or a family. And the pastors are meant to collaborate, share resources, work together, um, you know, like like siblings, like brothers. And that's how all the propaganda videos make it sound. You know, and they've got the local parishioners saying, oh, yeah, now we have a better community, et cetera. Uh, What they don't reveal is that the priests absolutely hate it. And what's interesting is it's both conservative and liberal priests who hate it across the board. And uh, they're very upset because they're saying your canonical rights are being completely stripped from them um, because that's essentially, you know, I I took a somewhat complex topic and I tried to simplify it so that everybody watching could know exactly what was going on. But at the end of the day, it is a money grab and it's a power grab by the archbishop. Uh, What he's essentially doing is he's taking all the assets of the archdiocese 
and putting them all in this real estate corporation that's completely under his name only and his control only, uh, incorporating each parish as a separate incorporation, um, so a separate corporation, so that sex abuse settlements, sex abuse victims cannot get their hands on any of those assets. Meaning if they win an abuse lawsuit, that pot of money that they you know, would normally be able to get a share of shrinks. Um, but then in addition, so not only does it harm abuse victims, it, it also harms priests. Like I said, it demotes pastors, okay? Because pastors are vested with certain canonical rights. And you can't just, you know, on your own initiative with no reason, demote a pastor. But that's exactly what Archbishop Vignon did to half the pastors of Detroit. He simply demoted them to something like the parochial vicar. They don't have the same rights. Um, and that's why so many are up in arms about this. And as I note in my special report, 16 priests filed a formal complaint in Rome, complaining about all the rights that are being violated here. Uh, many more wanted to sign on, but they were afraid of being retaliated against by the Archbishop. But there's just this huge, it, it's such a uh, such pushback and, and rebellion and outrage over this, that a number of families of parishes have outright refused to even implement this because it's not just the canonical rights are being violated, it opens them up to certain civil liabilities as well because of the insurance uh, structure, the tax structure. Uh, they've had lawyers look at this and say, you know what, you as a, a, a priest could actually be um, audited by the IRS because some of this is kind of illegal. You know, you could be sued. And so these pastors are like, there's no way I'm doing this. Okay. You know, I, I there's so many issues besides the ones that you just stated. There's like more subtle issues too. the relationship between priest and bishop should be father son. But it's now CEO and an employee, local branch manager. And that, that can't be good from a spiritual perspective, let alone the relationship between priest and and the lay faithful. You know, I live in an archdiocese that is one of the largest in the country, one of the fastest growing on, in the, on the planet, really. And uh, you have one pastor and 50,000 people. It's a, it's a disproportionate relationship that I think is also part of the tragedy of these reorganizations, in addition to the things that you uh, spoke about it a moment ago. Father Imbarato, he's talked about this in the past, where he experienced this as an active priest when they did the same thing in his diocese. I think it was in Arizona, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he tried to, well, he's like, well, I'm the boss of my parish now. It's my company. So he goes out and tries to renegotiate uh, insurance uh, to lower the cost. And then they, they put the hammer on him and tell me he's not allowed to do that. So it, it is a weird situation of uh, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. I think you bring up a really great point, too, about the relationship between the archbishop and his priests. He's supposed to be their spiritual father. I mean, they are supposed to have kind of a father-son spiritual relationship. But you know, as the letter this, uh, that these 16 Detroit priests wrote to um, Rome uh, Congregation for the Clergy, they said that whenever they sincerely expressed their concerns about this new scheme, um, they were pulled into quasi-disciplinary hearings and told demeaning things like, you don't have faith, or you're not following the work of the Holy Spirit, or you wow. don't understand what Jesus wants. You know, it's spiritual abuse, really. I mean, these priests have sincere and absolutely valid concerns about the canonical rights, the civil liabilities, and instead they're just being spoken to in a condescending, patronizing manner, like, you know, you just, 
is, you know, basically be quiet and just accept it. Mm. And this is why they finally came to church militant, because they had been sitting on this for like at least a year, just waiting and waiting to see how their Archbishop was going to respond to their concerns, uh, waiting to see how the Vatican was going to respond. And finally, they, they were like, we're getting nowhere at all, and we need now to go to the media. But that was not their first choice. They didn't want to have to do that. But unfortunately, because of the response of the Archbishop and the Chancery, uh, they were kind of forced to. You know, in Boston, as I talked about at the beginning of our conversation, uh, when they began to consolidate parishes and close parishes, a lot of the parishioners were doing sit-ins, and the uh, archdiocese would have to call the state authorities in to go break in and, and drag them out. It was embarrassing, and it was very scandalous. It, it, at the end, I don't think the lay folk won. I think the archdiocese did the reorganization as they saw fit, and that was that. Uh, will will that be the similar case here in Detroit? Are there, I mean, the lay folk, do they have any, besides this complaint back to the Vatican, do they have any other recourse? Well, um, right now, I'm not entirely sure what recourse they have, but the good news is, and we just heard this, is that apparently the Vatican is taking these police concerns seriously. And we just found out uh, after I aired my report that apparently recently the Congregation for Clergy had summoned Archbishop Vigneron to Rome. Wow. And he apparently had a meeting with them. And when he came back from the meeting, he essentially told the priests that families of parishes is changing and that they're going to have an all priest meeting soon to discuss exactly how it's changing. But the priests are seeing this as a hopeful sign. Praise be uh, to God. That is, yeah, that is so, great news. That is very good news. Now, you know, it, it's yet to be seen exactly how it's going to change. Let's hope that Vigneron takes everything seriously uh, and that he restores their canonical rights. But that 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 is a good sign that the Vatican's taking this seriously. They're kind of, you know, you know, making sure Vigneron is doing the right thing. Yeah. Amen. Um, The report is over on the website, churchmilitant.com. It's called Special Report Detroit Money Grab. I encourage everyone to check it out. Uh, But I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the court situation with Baltimore and the protests, if that's okay. I'm actually going to be in Baltimore for the men's march, uh, the the men's march to end abortion. I'm giving a little talk there. I'm excited about it, so praise be to God. In fact, I'll be doing the show live from Baltimore uh, while there, so I'm excited about it. But I was thinking maybe I I could come see the the church militant uh, rally as well, but is that going to happen? That's a very good question. <laughs> we believe that it will. See, okay, we absolutely want it to happen. We were in good faith discussions with the Miki Pavilion, which is right next door to the Baltimore Marriott Hotel, and which where we had a rally in 2018 with no problems whatsoever. Um, we so let's let's just say this: we've gotten two positive court rulings from the federal court so far, essentially saying, Baltimore City, you are trampling on. Christine, your internet is breaking up. Uh, I'm not sure if you can still hear us, but you're totally uh, frozen on us, so uh, I'm not sure if you're still on with us. But Christine Niles has been our guest. She's from Church Militant, churchmilitant.com. Um, hopefully and prayerfully, their rally will, in Let fact, occur. Continue. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, um, we, we're still waiting to hear back from the Meet You Pavilion. There you go again, Drew. For whatever reason, the internet is not cooperating with us uh, today, uh, Christine. So I'm sorry about that. But let's just we'll put a we'll put a pin in that. There, we'll have you back when we get the internet worked out. Why is there no contract yet, City? Are you getting in the way of this? So she was very unhappy. So 
she kind of hinted that if there's no contract signed by like Wednesday, she might consider a contempt motion against the city. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. you were coming and going, Christine. Your internet was breaking up pretty good there, so uh, we, we missed some of the details. But we'll just keep an eye out and hope and prayer that the rally does, in fact, occur. I would love to be there and, and to uh, be a part of that as much as I can uh, before I have to head back to Houston anyway. But uh, it's an important opportunity for the lay faithful to come together and uh, have a voice be heard and a witness be given to, to the bishops who are meeting in the hotel across the way there. But... Uh, Christine, God love you and God bless you. Thank you for your time today and thank you for your report on uh, Detroit. Oh, we'll have to leave it there. I don't know. Her internet just didn't work out very much today, but uh, we love having Christine on. We'll have her. We'll have her back as well. But check out that report, churchmilitant.com. It's the, the special report by. Uh, Christine Isles called Detroit Money Grab. Uh, coming up here after the break, we're going to have breaking news and stories, of course, and then Julia Maloney is going to be our guest. Her book is called The St. Gallen Mafia, Exposing the Secret Reformist Group Within the Church. You might remember back to the uh, the papal conclave that elected Pope Francis in 2013, McCarrick himself uh, talked about the, the St. Gallen Mafia as well as other key figures. And so uh, it's a mysterious cryptic little group and julia has broken down this group and what their influence really was did they help influence the the francis pontificate did they lobby for him you know against canon law those are some of the questions we want to ask julia and all that's coming up right after the break but don't don't go anywhere because we still have a lot of great coverage for you in fact some breaking news and stories coming up uh, right after this break as well. So do us a favor and share us with a friend. We'd be very, very grateful to you. Check out the podcast on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Also, you can join the CDT Insider email list and you get exclusive access to content that's uh, heard first through the email list and then heard on this show uh, to include the uh, the uh, lady we spoke to who was like the Mexican version of Abby Johnson. By the way, I was on with Abby Johnson this last week, and I'll be on her podcast, so make sure you check that out as well. So we're going to go to break. We're going to be back. But in the meantime, share us with a friend. We'll be right back. First John 2.27 reads... You have no need that anyone should teach you, as his anointing, the Holy Spirit that is, teaches you about everything. Sounds pretty Protestant, doesn't it? No living teaching authority and just me and the Holy Spirit? Was John Protestant? Absolutely not. And here are some reasons why. First, John can't be rejecting a living teaching authority because in 1 John 4, 6, he instructs his readers that the apostles' teaching is the criterion for discerning truth from error. So what does John mean? He's warning his readers against false teachers. In 1 John 2.19, he writes, Some went out from us, but they were not of us. If false teachers, well then there must be true teachers. Sure, the Spirit teaches Christians the truth, but he does so through the living teaching authority, not apart from it. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time, 
Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean, and now your headline news. Breitbart reports New Zealand Prime Minister admits she wants to create two classes of citizens based on vaccination status. That's less than optimal. The border report says migrant caravan breaks through National Guard roadblock in Mexico. Between 3,000 and 4,000 migrants left the Mexican southern border city of Tapachula on Saturday morning bound for Mexico City. Caravan organizers say that that will be their last stop as they try to secure humanitarian permits for the Haitians, Central and South American migrants to move freely in Mexico. But some of the migrants themselves said they intend to reach the U.S. border. The caravan immediately ran into a Mexican National Guard roadblock but appeared to break through after pushing dozens of soldiers aside. The migrants could be seen walking in jubilation on their journey north. The soldiers made no attempt to pursue them or draw their weapons. Sky News reports in Sudan, Prime Minister Abdullah Hamdok, the senior officials and senior officials detained amid claims of attempted military coup. Sudan's interim prime minister and at least five senior government officials have been detained by military forces, according to reports. Internet and mobile phone signal outages have also been reported by the SPA officials speaking anonymously to Associated Press. Thousands took to the streets with video appearing to show protesters blocking streets and setting tires on fire as security forces used tear gas. Sudan's information ministry said on its Facebook page that interim Prime Minister Abdullah Hamdok had been detained and taken to an undisclosed location. The arrests come after weeks of rising tensions between Sudan's civilian and military leaders, including a failed coup back in September. The Daily Wire reports GOP lawmaker locked out of Twitter after calling transgender Biden official Rachel Levine a man. Twitter locked the account of Rep. Jim Banks from Indiana after he called Department of Health and Human Services Assistant Secretary Rachel Levine, who identifies as transgender, a man. Banks's Twitter account was locked sometime after he referred to Levine as a man on October the 28th. The tweet in question appeared to have been removed from Banks' account by Sunday afternoon. Another tweet bashing Levine, who was named, quote, first ever, Four-star admiral of the U.S. Public Health Services Commissioned Corps on Tuesday, unquote, is still active. He said, quote, calling someone that was born and lived as a man for 54 years, the first female four-star officer, is an insult to every little girl who dreams of breaking glass ceilings one day, Banks tweeted on October the 19th. Breitbart reports Fauci's NIH division partially funded insects eating beagles alive. Reports that Dr. Anthony Fauci's division of the National Institutes of Health partially funded an experiment of insects eating beagle puppies alive has sparked bipartisan outrage on Capitol Hill. 
Responding to a report from the nonprofit organization White Coat Waste Project, both Democrats and Republicans signed a letter this week demanding to know why the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, one of the 27 institutes under the NIH, partially funded an experiment that locked beagles' heads in cages while hordes of hungry sandflies ate them alive. According to The Hill, the beagles were infected with disease-causing parasites to test an experimental drug on them. The experiment transpired in Tunisia, North Africa laboratory, where as many as 44 beagle puppies endured what Rep. Nancy Mace from South Carolina referred to as cruel and reprehensible misuse of taxpayer funds. Gee, if only Democrats and Republicans could also agree on the travesty of abortion. Hmm. And those are your headline news. Joining us right now again uh, via Zoom chat is uh, Julia Maloney. She has a brand new book out called The St. Gallen Mafia, Exposing the Secret Reformist Group Within the Church. Good morning to you, Julia. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me here. Praise be to God. Uh, we are very excited about uh, the news that your book was coming out, and I guess it gets released this week, right? Yeah, tomorrow, actually. Wow, big day. Praise be to God. So uh, tell us, uh, one, what is the book really about? And number two, how excited are you? Um, well, I'm super excited. And um, the book is, it's really about this secret group of um, high-ranking churchmen who started meeting in Switzerland in the 1990s. And I think everyone can agree that the, the center of gravity for this group was really the figure the, the the initial leader, Cardinal Carlo Maria Martini. And um, I like to think of Martini's life in this period as kind of a three-part story. Um, essentially, there was the part in the beginning where he was called the next pope, and everyone expected him to kind of be the liberal antidote to John Paul II after John Paul II passed. And then there's this next period where, of course, Ratzinger gets elected, Pope Benedict XVI, and then Martini becomes this kind of anti-pope in the press because he's he's this figure who's you know challenging key things that Ratzinger stands for. And then there's this third really interesting period where he starts calling himself an anti-pope, A-N-T-E, like an antecedent, a precursor, a preparer for a holy father. And, um, you know, the book tries to show that without a doubt, you know, he was a preparer for a holy father. He was a preparer for the current pontificate. Wow. Um, very cryptic group, this group, St. Gallen Mafia. I mean, there have been lots of discussions about this group since 2018 when the McCarrick scandal broke. Um, McCarrick himself, myst mystically or mysteriously rather, uh, uh, talked about this group, did he not? Um, he alluded, so he gave the famous talk at Villanova University where he said that he was visited by an influential Italian gentleman um, and asked about Bergoglio. And of course, there's, you know, there's a lot of speculation about who that Italian gentleman may have been. Was, was it a cardinal? Was it another member of the St. Gallen Mafia, Silvestrini? Uh, we, we don't know. I mean, some people have speculated you know, the different other names as well. Um, but um, the fact that the, the mafia was, the fact that they had their eye on Bergoglio and then someone visited McCarrick talking about Bergoglio, you know, seems to suggest that 
there's some, you know, there's some kind of connection. And of course, McCarrick had that mysterious time in his early life when he was around 20 or so, where he spent time in, in Switzerland. And according to James Grine, um, you know, he visited St. Gallen for like 20 years. So it's definitely, it's one of those perduring, enduring mysteries, you know, what, what exactly is McCarrick's connection here? There seems to be something. One, one question I have is, you know, the everything happening here, it seems like, you know, this is some kind of cabal. Every time you mention a conspiracy, people automatically have their put their tinfoil hats on and they're like, <laughs> oh, my goodness, what is what's going on here? This is crazy talk. Uh, but this seems to be incredibly well sourced. It seems to be like that the members, the alleged members have said so themselves personally in public interviews. Could you show how like this is not a crazy thing to believe in? Yeah, exactly. Um, so this this book has over 600 footnotes. Wow. Um, these uh, this it tries to avoid as much speculation as possible and hyperbole, sensationalism, all of that. Um, I use publicly available texts and um, I used a lot of confessions so to speak, of the of, of the members. I poured through a lot of their writings. Um, it, let's let's think for one moment about um, the figure Cardinal Godfrey de Niels. Okay, so this mafia member, uh, you know, has become infamous for covering up sexual abuse and and still being kind of you know held in regard during this pontificate. But he, in the 1990s, he was saying that we needed. A new Francis. Um, I have the, you know, the exact source, you know, right there in the book. And then before the 2013 conclave, he gave a press conference and he said, we need a Francis. And this is again documented. And then of course, we, we got a Pope Francis. Hmm. Um, you know, these kinds of things. I, I feel like the one analogy I like to use is, um, you know, those, those crime movies where you have the culprit and they're leaving behind clues about their identities because there's a part of them that needs to boast about what they've done. So I've had a kind of this hunch that they needed to boast or disclose a lot of their plans. And the book tries to show that, you know, in their writings, they definitely did just that. Now, that's one of the big questions that a lot of people have asked or made claims about alleged on uh, social media is that these bishops that came together to to discuss and to plan and, and have an agenda did so against canon law. They broke canon law when trying to lobby for particular candidates during the conclave process. Did you did your book cover that at all? Um, my book does cover the um, the 2013 conclave. Um, it kind of pieces together. Um, you know, the, the best sources that we have about what happened during the 2013 conclave. And then, you know, some other pieces of the puzzle that people haven't really been talking about as well. Um, I think it's, um, as to the validity, you know, I, I think it's pretty clear that people like M Murphy O'Connor were um, lobbying, were agitating for um, mm, hold that the thought. group. 
Hold yeah. that thought. Julia Maloney is our guest. We're going to leave you on that cliffhanger. We'll come right back and we'll take up from right there. But her book is The Sink All of Mafia, Exposing the Secret Reformist Group Within the Church by Tan Books. And we're going to continue our conversation coming up in just about a minute and a half, two minutes from right now. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard it said that the church has been weak and ineffective? Well, G.K. Chesterton says the church has been so powerful and effective that it colored even the things it had not hoped to influence and changed its enemies as well as its friends. It affects everything it touches. It inspires a life-changing love from its friends and a self-destructive hatred from its enemies. Its enemies will do everything to destroy it, and they end up destroying everything, except the church. The Catholic Church, says Chesterton, has endured for 2,000 years, and the world within the church has been more lucid, more level-headed, more reasonable in its hopes, more healthy in its instincts, more humorous and cheerful in the face of fate and death than all the world outside. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Julia Maloney is our guest. She has a book out by 10. It's coming out tomorrow, as a matter of fact, which, if I'm not mistaken, that means we have the scoop. We are the first to interview her about this book, The St. Gallen Mafia, Exposing the Secret Reformist Group Within the Church. Welcome back to the show, Julia. Have we got the scoop? Are we the first ones? Uh, yeah, this is the first interview Praise to be. air, yes. I, I feel like I've hit a high point. That's awesome. Praise be to God. Uh, right before the break, I asked you about uh, whether or not they were a violation of canon law for lobbying for a particular candidate during the uh, the, the uh, papal conclave. Now, I've heard arguments on both sides of that, and so you were talking about um, – uh, how they were at, they were doing some lobbying. The question remains whether or not they were in violation of canon law in the process. But one of the questions I want to ask is, as a follow-up to that, and when you can finish your point if you'd like, but why Bergoglio? Yeah. Um, so in regard to the, the first question, um, the, the position that I take in the book is, I quote this um, canon lawyer who said basically, you know, from from her perspective, even if what people were saying is true about the lobbying and approaching Bergoglio and asking for his assent, it doesn't actually, from a canonical perspective, it, uh, it does the election is not invalidated. I see. So, and the source is is in the book, and she's highly esteemed by um, a number of high rank, you know, very respected people. So that's kind of. The, the line that I take there, although I know that this is a very vexed question and a lot of people have a lot mm. of different I've heard that from other sources as well, that uh, even mm. in spite of the fact that they were lobbying when they probably shouldn't have been, it doesn't invalidate the election nonetheless. Uh, but why Bergoglio? Why were, they, why were they lobbying for Bergoglio? 
Yeah, um, I I think that um, his style of of changing the church, um, doing it incrementally. You know, one of his great postulates is time is greater than space. Mm. Um, it aligns really well with what the mafia wanted to do. They, they were they were very sneaky. They were playing a long game. Um, they. I, I just think that it was a natural fit in many ways. Um, I think that Bergoglio also, he got on their, their radar, you know, in the early 2000s, I think. That's kind of something that Daniil's biography talks about. And um, he really cared about collegiality. And um, this is something that uh, is, is like so important to the, you know, it goes along with synodality and we have the synod on synodality. These are code words, (laughs) as Henry Sear likes to say, for a kind of liberalization of the church. And so Bergoglio, I mean, he started out as what people would call an ultra conservative Mm. um, in many ways. And um, he, he turned, you know, he, he turned left. And I think that he was signaling that he was an ally to them. Oh, that was going to be, and my next question was, well, how would they have known that Cardinal Bergoglio uh, from Argentina would go along with the agenda that they were hoping for, for the future of the church? Did they meet with him? Did they discuss it? Th- that is a great question. I think I would point to two pieces of evidence. Again, they're both publicly available. Um, the first piece of evidence is... Um, there, Nicolas Diot has written a, a French book about the pontificate of Benedict XVI. And he said that Silvestrini, another mafia member, um, tried to convince Bergoglio to lead the anti-Ratzinger contingent in the 2005 conclave. Mm. And, that's, and he kind of leaves it at that. So that's a very pregnant... Hmm. you know, remark, what, what, what exactly does that mean? Um, what, what were those conversations? So there's that. And then there's the, you know, famous issue in the 2013 conclave of when Austin Ivory, who used to work for Murphy O'Connor of the mafia, Austin Ivory said in his first edition of his book, The Great Reformer, that um, Bergoglio was approached and they, they sought an assent for him to be a candidate. And of course he retracted it. But um, let me just say my book kind of has another text from Ivory that I source in the book that kind of kind of casts doubt on on whether the retraction is kind of the end of the story there. That's uh, so. That's that's crazy. Uh, and I did hear about that fact that the the copy today of uh, the Great Reformer they he took out a couple things that were not favorable to the Holy Father. Um, but the one thing I wanted to ask about is we kind of have this mindset that you know it was this was actually you know this was a a Cardinal McCarrick uh, baby child and he's a head ringleader. But what is actually going on with the Sangala Mafia? Who's and who's in this that we should be worried about? Is it all over with now that Cardinal McCarrick's in prison or about to be in prison? Uh, do we forget about it? And um, and I know we in your book you say, t- talk about how they had said four years of Bergoglio would be enough to change things. And uh, it seems like they have more tentacles elsewhere. 
Yeah, that, that quotation is interesting because um, that was the quotation, but there's like a second part I, I discovered a few years ago, and that's where Murphy O'Connor said, but pray to God we have Bergoglio for more, much longer than that. So it was kind of like the slogan to get him elected. You know, he's going to be a transitional pope. But um, maybe the prayer was that he he would last much longer. Um, in in terms of where we go from here, I th- I think of the second part of this book, which deals with the Francis pontificate, as um, a part wh- where it's it's that line from William Faulkner, the novelist: "The past is never dead; it's not even past." So hmm. a lot of these figures are dead by now but their ghosts are still here. I mean, um, Pope Francis frequently quotes Cardinal Martini, the leader who died in 2012. So his spirit and vision is still here. Um, Synodality is Martini's dream, literally, and we're having a synod on synodality. So I, I think that's something that I think I try to, I try at least to convey in the book that, um, their their spirits are going to be with us for a while. I'm not I'm not quite sure um, when when they will not be with us anymore. Are they campaigning for a future pope now, or is there something in the works? I know a lot of there's a lot of whispers of of a new of the, getting ready for the next conclave already. Yeah, that's something I I don't really quite cover in the book. Um, the future beyond this pontificate. Um, that, that's a great question. Um, that's something, in fact, you know, that's something I would love to do maybe as kind of a follow-up article or something. But there's definitely people will talk about different figures like Togle, who's supposed to be kind of like a, an, another Pope Francis. Hmm. Um, Perlin used to be named as a strong contender. Um, but he's, he's got some kind of, you know, different questionable items linked to him. Um, we'll, we'll say that um, Perlin was a, a protege or a, he was part of the the diplomatic circle that was that included um, Silvestrini. So th- there's like a connection between Perlin and Silvestrini. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of a, a great question for um, for con- further research. Now, I remember part of the story of the St. Gala Mafia was they, 2005, they were meeting and they tried to, to get their candidate uh, elected, didn't happen, and they kind of stopped meeting. And then 2013, they, their hopes were, uh, were reinvigorated and they came back together and they, they started uh, lobbying for Bergoglio again. Um, and to Adrian's question, sort of as a, just a clarifying point, so they're not meeting now, like nobody's meeting now in St. Gallen in, in, in Switzerland right now, to your knowledge? Um, to my knowledge, no one, no one is meeting, um, correct. And so why, why was it in St. Gallen to begin with? Was it just simply because the, the, the bishop there was inviting, or did you do any research as to why that location? Um, I think the most basic answer to that was that um, Ivo Fuhrer um, was the bishop of of St. Gallen during um, much of this period. So um, he he hosted the group there. 
Um, whether there's, I know other people have kind of tried to investigate whether there are darker roots to St. Gallen and, and everything. I kind of bracket that question about what, whether there's there's something about the locale or, or some deeper kind of machine at work. Yeah. The book is called The St. Gallen Mafia, Exposing the Secret Reformist Group Within the Church. It's published by Tan. It comes out tomorrow. So uh, very excited. You must uh, be really anticipating the big release tomorrow. Any idea of what uh, to expect as far as the release goes? Um, I I think that it'll it'll just be exciting for it to be, you know, it'll be on Amazon, you know, in, in Kindle and um, in hardback and then um, tan. A lot of people have already pre-ordered their copy. Um, you know, you nice. can definitely still or, still order, of course. Um, but um, what about an audio book? Yeah, Do you have any plans for an audiobook? Um, I have heard that there may be an audiobook um, in the future. Good. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Praise be to God. I know a lot, a lot of people, I'm definitely guilty of it. I love to listen to audiobooks. Uh, I make use of my time while driving on the highways. So, uh, so an audiobook would be an amazing addition to this great book. So the St. Gallen Mafia, exposing the secret reformist group within the church. Julie Maloney, thank you for your time today. We're very grateful that we got to be your first interview for the book. And good luck to you. And praise be to God. I hope it uh, enlightens many, many who read it. Thank you so much. All right. Praise be to God. That's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. We're very grateful to Christine Niles from Church Militant to share her report on Detroit and for Julia Maloney to be on with us to talk about her book, which publishes tomorrow. Make sure to check it out on tanbooks.com. That's tanbooks.com. You can also find it on Amazon, but buy directly from Tan. Support them. That'd be amazing. We're going to go to a break. For those of you that can join us in the next hour, we would love to have you. Got a piece of good news to share with you. Plus, our game show is all coming up in the next hour. That and a lot more Catholic Drive Time is headed your way. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. My Protestant friends say the Catholic Church has added a lot of man-made traditions to the Word of God. Is that true? No, it's not true. Protestants go by the written Word of God alone or sacred scripture alone. Catholics go by the entire Word of God as it is found in sacred scripture and sacred tradition. All of the Word of God was originally passed down as oral tradition. Eventually, some of it was written down. This became sacred scripture or written tradition. However, scripture itself tells us that not all the things that Jesus said and did were written down. That's where sacred tradition comes in. Paul says this about tradition. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. Traditions taught by word of mouth and traditions taught by letter. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition. In 1 Corinthians 11.2, Paul commends them for maintaining the traditions as he has delivered them. 
sacred scripture and sacred tradition. 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. And what you have heard from me before many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is an instance in scripture of Paul commanding the passing on of oral tradition. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. They received as the word of God that which they heard, not simply that which they read in Scripture. In other words, the Bible clearly supports the Catholic Church's teaching that the word of God is contained in both sacred Scripture and sacred tradition. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern. Right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. It's good to be back. We have a great show lined up this week. We're looking forward to uh, being on with you each day, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. And uh, we would be grateful to you if you could share us with a friend. But uh, coming up this hour, I have a piece of good news for you. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we do Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. We play our game show at 15 past. And it's always uh, a nice opportunity because we always have a new prize every week. Thanks to our incredible sponsors who give us prizes to give away to you. And the good news is you don't even really need to know the answers to win our game. Okay, it's just, just so you know. It's, it's that fun, and uh, the opportunity is now uh, a new opportunity this week, and we'll be sharing with you the prize sponsor information coming up at 15 past. But don't forget, you can always go on to our website, GRN online.com forward slash cdt and you can find a link at the top that says a fear and trembling trivia game show and you click that it takes you where we have the rules the phone numbers there the sponsor links all of it's right there so uh, i encourage you to check that out grn online.com forward slash cdt but in spite of it all Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. I'm super excited for the uh, Brie Dale show coming up at 8 o'clock today. Really? Yes. What's she what just she sent cooking? me what they're talking about today. And here's just a taste of what the Brie Dale show is going to have today. They're going to yeah. have an overview of the conference in the Vatican. Really? Uh, the, on a little bit of a uh, story on transhumanism. Uh, some stories on Biden and some uh, green passes being happening across uh, the world. Huge protests. Mandatory in vaccines Italy. in the UK. Yeah. And then, of course, on the. Oh, and then Fauci, despite the uh, bad press, having a, a promoting child vaccinations. That's uh, all sorts of crazy things going on. Breeze is going to have a huge show. But despite all in that bad news. All. 
Uh, it's still it good to be here. It's still, still good, good to be, to be here. here. You know, uh, I may be doing some uh, recording some special What's Concerning Us content later today and posting it to our YouTube and J- Rumble Odyssey. YouTube is not friendly. But uh, at any rate, um, there is all kinds of news out there. Uh, the Judicial Watch obtained even more condemning documents of the use of abortive fetal uh, babies. I'm talking parts, not just cells, in the testing on uh, uh, on medical testing. It's just so incredibly horrific. I almost don't want to talk about it. But that's why in this hour we like to do upbeat news. We like to do a little bit of inspirational type of stuff, which means I have a good news story for you coming up here in just a moment. Praise be to God. And uh, we're going to pray first. We're going to pray for your intentions, dear listener, whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, whatever your needs are. We're going to include that. Plus, we're going to include the conversion of sinners around the world. We're also going to include... Uh, the uh, for all those souls that are going to face eternity today. The you know my pastor uh, preaching the Sunday homily yesterday. He made this incredibly poignant in the homily. He said, "The moment of mercy ends at the moment of death. The time of justice is at hand, and the soul is immediately judged based on its own recollection of how it lived its life." Now, I'm paraphrasing a little bit of his words, but I want you to let that set in today because we must pray for all those souls that that are going to be facing eternity today. Are they prepared? Are they ready? God sent us to help them, to be a tool in the hand of the Holy Ghost to bring about their conversion for the salvation of souls. Let's not just meet them where they're at. Let's help them get where they got to go today. So that's part of our show today, to inspire you to live your faith fully, but to assist your neighbor as well. So that's coming up in this hour. Good morning to you, Janelle. Or Janice, rather. Good grief. Janelle's not been around <laughs> since since uh, August, maybe? <sighs> wow. It's Monday. Uh, it starts with a J. I, I forgive you. Um, <laughs> Janice, yes. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, God, yeah. How are you? God bless you. Good morning. Well, clearly I'm ready for a nap. I mean, uh, we, we started the show off already in it with a hot, uh, hot ticket there with uh, getting the name wrong. But at any rate, let's pray and jump in. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother, To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. And now the good news for today. Life News reports Supreme Court rules Texas abortion ban can keep saving babies from abortion. The Supreme Court today refused a request by Joe Biden and abortion businesses in Texas to block the Texas abortion ban that has saved thousands of babies from abortions. Praise be to God. The nation's highest court agreed to review the pro-abortion lawsuits against the abortion ban and set oral arguments for November the 1st. That means the ban will stay in place for several more days, likely saving anywhere from 50 to 100 babies each day from abortion. The court, in its order, said it would consider the following questions. Number one, whether the state can insulate from federal court review a law that prohibits the exercise of a constitutional right by delegating to the general public the authority to enforce the prohibition through civil action. 
And number two, can the United States bring suit in federal court and obtain injunctive or declaratory relief against the state, state court judges, state clerks, or other state officials, or all private parties in order to prohibit SB8 from being enforced? Justice Sonia Sotomayor dissented and said the the, uh, Texas abortion ban should be blocked while the lawsuit continues. She falsely called killing babies and abortions health care and made it appear that pregnant women are harmed if they can't get abortions, even though abortion harms women in a myriad of ways. And mothers who give birth experience more joy and less harm by keeping their babies. The Supreme Court needs just four votes to agree to review a case, but five votes to issue a ruling, meaning SCOTUS reached those two thresholds to both review as well as to decide to leave the Texas abortion ban in place. In a prior ruling on the Texas abortion company's request to block the ban, the Supreme Court ruled five to four to allow it to stay in place, with Chief Justice John Roberts and the court's three liberals dissenting and saying it should be blocked. The Texas pro-life group behind the ban, Texas Right to Life, celebrated the rule. And that is your good news for today. Praise be to God. The saint of the day is St. Isidore the Farmer. He was born in 1110 and was born in Madrid of poor but very devout parents. And he was christened Isidore after St. Isidore of Seville. Not able to give a formal education, his parents, by both word and example, infused into his soul the utmost horror and dread of all sin and the most vehement ardor for every virtue and especially for prayer. His patience in bearing all injuries and overcoming the envy of fellow servants by cordial kindness, his readiness to obey his masters and in indifferent things to comply with the inclinations of others and to humbly serve everyone, gave him the most complete victory over himself and his passions. He labored and he considered it as enjoined him by God in punishment of sin and for a remedy against it. And he performed his work in a spirit of compunction and penance. Many object that their labors and fatigues leave them a little time for the exercise of religion. I know sometimes I feel like doing work, uh, charity work with uh, Guadalupe keeps me busy, but Isidore out on the farm. But Isidore, by directing his attention, according to the most holy motives of faith, made his work a most perfect act of religion. He considered it as a duty to God, and therefore he applied himself to it with great diligence and care in imitation of the angels in heaven, who in all things fulfill the will of God with the greatest readiness and a clarity of devotion. The more humbling and the more painful the labor was, the dearer it was to the saint, being a means the more suitable to tame his flesh and a more noble part of his penance. He was married to Mary Toribia, and after the birth of their child, which died young, they agreed to serve God in perfect continency. St. Isidore, being seized with sickness of which he died, foretold his last hour and prepared himself for it with redoubled fervor and with the most tender devotion, patience, and cheerfulness. The piety with which he received the last sacraments drew tears from all who were present. He repeated inflamed acts of divine love, and he died on the 15th of May, 1170, at 60 years of age. St. Isidore is beatified by Paul V in 1619 and was canonized in 1622 through a papal bull of Benedict XIII. St. Isidore the farmer, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. 
Jesus was teaching in a synagogue on the Sabbath, and a woman was there who for 18 years had been crippled by a spirit. She was bent over, completely incapable of standing erect. When Jesus saw her, he called to her and said, Woman, you are set free of your infirmity. He laid his hands on her, and she at once stood up straight and glorified God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant that Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, said to the crowd in reply, There are six days when the work should be done. Come on those days to be cured, not on the Sabbath day. The Lord said to him in reply, Hypocrites! Does not each one of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his ass from the manger and lead it out for watering? This daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for eighteen years now, ought she not to have been set free on the Sabbath from this bondage? When he said this, all his adversaries were humiliated, and the whole crowd rejoiced at the splendid deeds done by him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Cyril, quoted in Hadock's commentary today, said, The president of the synagogue, when he saw the woman who before crept on the ground, now raised by the touch of Christ, and hearing the mandate of God was filled with envy and decried the miracle, apparently through solicitude for keeping the Sabbath. But the truth is, he would rather see the poor woman bent to the earth like a beast than to see Christ glorified by healing her. Wow. Let that sink in. St. Cyril of Alexandria, pray for us. Adrian, what did you find? Oh, this is great. And I, we might have to bring this back up during the after show because this is some awesome stuff from Cornelius Lapide today. He says, the so he makes a number of points. One point that he makes is that the, the, the woman being bent over in the manner that she was, that this was actually a reference back to Genesis. And how is this a reference to Genesis? He says here, God gave to man a lofty countenance and to regard the heavens commanded him, bed him to lift his form erect and gaze upon the starry host. Why is this important? Because animals look down. Why do they look down? Because it is beneficial to their nature to look down and see the ground and what's around them as their chief goal in life is to rely on instinct and to survive. Whereas man... It shows the loftiness of man that he looks upward toward the heavens. He's not bent downward looking at the floor. Instead, he looks up and sees the heavens and sees his glorious destiny. And this spirit who plagues this woman, and Chris Lapide makes the point, yes, this is in fact a disease given by a demon. This is not a natural disease. This is a demonic disease. And he, and in response to people who say otherwise, he says, well, look at Job. Job had these, all his diseases and illnesses came from who? The devil. He said, look also at Psalm 78, 49 and Matthew 9, 23, the devil can make you sick. And it's not the fact that that's always the case, but he said here, the physicians could do nothing for her and only the power of God almighty could save her and could heal her because this was not a normal disease. This was from the devil himself. And so the devil, when plaguing her wants her to be as low as animals and i think that's very applicable today because this egalitarian nature of the world today wants to raise animals to be like humans and lower humans to be like animals where we weep over the death of animals but don't blink an eye at the death of babies and i think that's uh, what we can talk about for today 
Yeah. St. Chrysostom would go on to say about the, uh, the president of the synagogue, for it troubles him not that the Sabbath is broken, but that Christ is glorified. Now observe that whenever Christ orders a work to be done, as when he ordered the man sick of the palsy to be taken up his bed, he raises his words to something higher, convincing men by the majesty of the Father, the majesty of the Father to heal and to call to repentance. Whew. Man, let's not be deaf to the voice of the Lord in our lives and in our world today. Let's not turn a blind ear or a blind eye to the, in, the travesties and the injustices that happen in our midst because the time is coming to a close. At some point, at some point, every one of us will have to face our judgments. Eternity matters. Let's live like it. All right, time to play our game, Fear and Trembling, and we need a contestant on the phone to do so. So your chance to win, you don't need to know answers to win. It's that much fun. Trust me on that. Uh, but the phone lines are open, and the phone number is 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call now. Be our contestant. First caller gets to play at 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Fear and Trembling is coming up next. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear 
and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and do not share with anybody what I'm about to share with you. All right? Is that a deal? Uh, But there are a few things we like to do during the uh, game show segment. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions that might, uh, you might learn something, and praise be to God for that. And then, of course, we like to have a good time, and our callers tend to be very fun. They are good sports. They laugh with us. We really, really appreciate that. And then we like to give out prizes, which means it's a winner for everybody involved. But if you're just joining us, and you're new here, and you're like, what in the world? Okay, here's the deal. We have a caller, but we don't ask the caller the questions. So they don't have to know the answers, and they can still win our game. Do you see where I'm going with that? And the reason why is because I won't ask the caller the questions. Instead, I will ask Janice, and I will ask Adrian. One of them will be right, and the other will be wrong. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Janice or Adrian? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine, uh, of God's divine judgment. What, what did I call it before? The coffee cup providence. Of, di- of divine providence. <laughs> is judgment or providence worse? Hmm. Uh, providence is not I, a bad thing. I'm wondering if that's a Holy Spirit moment right there to change the name to judgment. Anyway, providence. <laughs> we pull a name <laughs> out of the cup on <laughs> Friday, and we announce it live on the radio, and someone wins prizes, and praise be to God for it. So that's the deal. Who? What, are the, what is the prize back this week, Janice? Uh, this week we have a great sponsor named Saint Shinary. So, uh, Saint Shinary, it's kind of like stationary, but instead of stationary, it's Saint Shinary. They are giving away a box set of stationary with Catholic um, images, and specifically, uh, we are giving they're giving away six cards with the image of the visitation, the moment when Mary meets Elizabeth with a scripture quote. This is a five by seven printed high quality cardstock. Uh, with a with brown crafted envelopes, and Saint Janary can be found on Etsy. She has an Etsy shop and an Instagram account. Uh, sh- she's uh, definitely um, very talented, and uh, you can definitely support her by visiting her Etsy shop at S A I N T I O N E R Y Saint Janary. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you to Sanctionary for being our prize sponsor this week. And I'm looking at the questions, and it looks like all easy question Monday. Praise be to God. But let's go to the phones. Is it uh, Ralea? Good morning to you. How do I say your name correctly? How do I say your name correctly? Rayleigh. Rayleigh. All right. Well, good morning to you, Rayleigh. Praise be to God. Where are you calling from? San Antonio. San Antonio, Texas. We get a lot of callers from the great city of San Antonio, uh, home of the greatest high school football team on planet Earth, the Judson Rockets. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, are you guys fans of the Judson Rockets? I don't know who that is. <laughs> yeah, the famous. Right. Got it, Joe. <laughs> Uh, well, that's all right. God is a merciful God. He'll forgive you for that, Riley. But uh, are you familiar with the game? Do you know how the rules work? Um, yes. Yes. Praise be to God. All right. So you do know then you have to be careful listeners because uh, Janice and Adrian, they can be tricky. They're known for their trickiness. Are you ready to play? Yes. All right, Riley. Here we go. We're going to go to, to uh, Janice first, as is our custom. Janice, are you ready? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. 
Are you sure? Uh, yes. <laughs> what is the liturgical season of the year in preparation for the celebration of Christmas? What do we call that? That is Advent. Advent is the time of the season to uh, prepare ourselves for Christmas. Advent? Advent, yeah. you're saying it. Advent, okay. Hmm. Let's mm. just see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me, what is the liturgical season of the year in preparation for the celebration of Christmas? Yes, that would be Christmas tide. Christmas tide? Absolutely. That's the wow. season leading up to Christmas. Mm. Christmas tide. Hmm. I could, mm, I don't know. It's a uh, tricky business here. All right, Riley, here we go. Uh, what the deal is, is Adrian seems to think it's Christmas tide, whereas Janice says it's Advent. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Riley, what say you? Janice. Did you say Janice? Say louder. Yes. Yeah. Oh, survey says. <laughs> I think I got that. <laughs> Well, congratulations. You are correct. It is Advent, which, by the way, is like fast approaching. I mean, it, it starts in what, a month from now? I, I feel like it's like weeks away. Yeah. Praise be to God. It's coming up. Now, are you guys excited about Advent? Do you guys do anything special for Advent? Um, We're going to do a retreat. Nice. That sounds exciting. I'm going to listen to Christmas music. Like in Colorado, Montana, Hawaii. Where do you guys retreat? I'm just curious. At home. <laughs> well, that is that is just as good. I don't care what anybody says. That's just as good. Praise be to God. I like to listen to Christmas music during Advent. It's great. <laughs> All right. You're in the coffee cup of divine providence, uh, since they won't let me call it judgment. Uh, we are going to try to double your chances, though. I think this next question is fairly easy. We're going to see what happens. Adrian. Uh-oh. Can you tell me how many years did Christ live on earth how many years did christ live on earth yes yes that would be 49 years 49 49 he was older than me uh, really I, wow you're, you're not 49 yet mm. i was thinking <laughs> ne never mind never mind easy easy all right let's see what uh, janice has to say janice can you tell me how many years did the lord and savior jesus christ live on earth so this is actually my favorite number, or one of my favorite numbers. Really? 33 years. 33? Yes. I see. Mm, okay. Mm. Riley, this is a tough one, but let's just see. Janice seems to think it was 33, whereas Adrian said 49, a number I have uh, to look forward to, praise be to God. What say you? 15 seconds on the clock. Janice. Survey says... Yeah, of course. Do you know who died at 49? Who died at 49? St. Thomas Aquinas. St. Thomas Aquinas. Yeah. I see where you're going with that. I was going to answer this question by saying all of them. All of them? Yeah. All of them. He died at all the years? He No. no he didn't. The question doesn't age. ask when he died. At all the ages. Just how, how many he lived. He lived all of them. Every last one of them. He's still alive now. Uh, at any rate, you are in the cup <laughs> twice. Praise be to God. Yes, he is. He's always on earth. <laughs> Eucharistic presence. Anyway, you're in the cup Two times you could still win, praise be to God. A third option here. Uh, this one, I'm going to admit, is probably the trickiest of all three questions, Riley. But let's just take it slow and see how it goes. Back to Janice. Janice, can you tell me? Mm -hmm. What is a verse called which is sung or said after each psalm in the divine office? 
That would have to be the antiphon. The antiphon is... I've heard that, that word before. Yes. It's the verse that's sung mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. before each psalm in the divine office. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me, what is a verse called which is sung or said after each psalm in the divine office? Yeah, it would be a hymn. A hymn? Yes. Because it's sung. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we could say it too? I suppose, but you really should sing it. You should sing it. What if you can't sing uh, then don't sing it. Say it. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, St. Augustine famously said, uh, singing well is praying twice. People always take out the well part. He didn't mention the not well part, did yeah, he? Yeah, no. <laughs> All right, so Riley, here's the deal. Adrian seems to think it, the answer to this is a hymn, whereas Janice seems to think it's an antiphon. 15 seconds on the clock. What verse is called, uh, what is is the verse called, which is sung or said after each psalm in the divine office? Antiphon or hymn? What say you, Riley? Are you sure? (laughs) She got it. She got it. Trying to trick her. Oh, my goodness. Perfect score, Riley. You did great. In spite of their trickiness, because I'm on your side, you did fantastic. Three times in the coffee cup of divine judgment. Or is it Providence? I forget. Uh, Well, how do you feel, Riley? Good. And where are you off to today, by the way? Work? School. Where do you go to school? Nice. Well, praise be to God. Are you looking forward to school this week? Eh. 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 That's an honest answer. All right. Well, God love you. Thank you for playing our game. We're going to put you guys on hold so we get your phone number and all your information, but we're very grateful. Thank you for being a good sport and hanging out with us and having a good time. That's Hi. Gonna, that is going to do it for the radio side of our show today. Praise be to God. We love having a fun time during the Fear and Tribbling Game Show. If you can hang out with us for the after show, it's a bit abbreviated on Mondays, but nonetheless, we will hang out with you during the after show on one of the live video feeds, which you can hang out right on our website if you'd like at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Chat with you about whatever's on your heart, your mind, and uh, we'll jump into that next. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning to talk about fake news and psyops in the news. So that's coming up tomorrow morning in the first hour. See you then. God bless you. God love you. And have a great day. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Tim, where we get a lot more casual about our conversation. We talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. So all you got to do is comment and let us know what do you want to discuss, and we shall discuss it to the best of our ability in the time that we have, which on Mondays is always limited because Adrian uh, just doesn't want to work, I guess. I don't know. Cuts us off early. Not sure what he does after that, but either Take way. Takes a nap. Takes a nap. Uh, who are the Judson Rockets? Sonia. Really? Come on now. Come on. Everybody knows who the Judson Rockets are. 
Everyone. It's funny. Uh, Sonia is actually from San Antonio, so <laughs> yeah. more uh, more lies uh, coming from Joe. <laughs> Talk about the famous Judson Rockets. Uh, good morning, Sonia says from uh, the San Antonio Medical Center. Praise be to God. Good to see you. The mighty Judson Rockets. You know, uh, last time I was, I visited my alma mater. They tore they tore down. So when I was a kid there. We had two campuses. We had the gray campus and the red campus. The gray campus looked like a prison. I mean, it was built like a prison and a prison yard. That's what schools are. Bars and everything. It was insane. Very, very draconian looking, you know, just ugh, not very little personality except for prison yard. And then, uh, then we had the red campus, which is the older part of the school, and um, that was... We actually had to walk back and forth for classes between each campus or take the bus or whatever. Uh, the last time I was there, they, they apparently got rid of the gray campus. That's now like a, a junior middle school or elementary school. I feel bad for those kids because it's seriously a prison yard. And then they, they tore down the red campus and they, they built a Come bigger on, facility, man. a bigger athletic facility. So Judson High School takes their athletic department extremely Serious. Uh, I guess they built a new school building too, so they can house every all four grades in one place now. Good for them. Anyway, uh, what else is going on? What did you guys do over the weekend? Anything good? I almost stepped on a snake. Uh, other than that, it, it worked out just fine. Uh, hey, Adrian, just practicing humility. <laughs> David said, uh, good morning, CDT team. Joe, congratulations. And not Adrian. I'm also a Houstonian. Right. Uh, for the Astros sure making mm-hmm. it to the World Series. It was a tough loss for my beloved Red Sox, but the Astros eventually were the better team. And I was telling him, oh, wow, I would not have admitted to that. If I if it went the other way, I would not have admitted to that. But you, you're a better man than me, David. You, God bless you. Uh, from your lips to God's ears. Oh, most people are better. Yeah. Uh, so. What else is going on here? Uh, humility, Joe. Humility, Lori. Um, yeah. I, what did I say now? What did I do? Now? Just because uh, I got Janice's name wrong. That's that's very humbling for sure. You know, I, I used to put it in my show notes. I would when she first started, I put uh, I bolded and highlighted her name so I would try to get it correct instead of wrong. But it's since been erased. And look what I did. Got it wrong. What are you going to do? By the way, speaking of which, we have a special announcement that we're going to have to make at some point in the next couple of weeks in regards to Janice. So. I'm going to tease that and leave it there for now, and uh, we'll come back to it. I wonder what it could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, YouTube on YouTube, the GRN or CDT side of YouTube, Sun Worshipper uh, is on. Said first Saturday against the errors of Russia. Praise be to God. I think that's a hilarious name because there's this guy on Twitter with named Sun Worshipper S U N Worshipper who keeps trolling my Twitter account and keeps. Like saying how we are just like these pagans, Catholics are just pagans worshiping the sun, yada yada yada. But this uh, this guy, his YouTube channel name is Sun Worshipper, S O N Worshipper, and has a picture of Jesus as their uh, as their profile picture. I think it's hilarious. That's it's good, good, very clever. I like it. Ten Ma- out of ten. Mike over at uh, Odyssey hanging out with us on Odyssey this morning. Good morning to you and everybody hanging out with us on Odyssey this morning. Praise be to God. Mike was r- talking about earlier. Uh, we were discussing in the first hour the fact that the Vietnamese Dominican sisters were uh, sponsored to go to the playoff series with Boston Red Sox versus Astros. And a uh, lovely community of Vietnamese uh, sisters. We know them very well here. And uh, we, I quipped about whether or not they're going to go to the 
the World Series and what it would cost to send them to the World Series. Mattress Mac, who is a famous local businessman, Catholic, by the way, um, great guy. He's the one who sponsored them. So we wondered if or not he was going to be sponsoring them to the World Series and whether or not they would go. I heard that he was, but I, don't, I can't. I guess I can't say that's for sure. But Mike was talking about how he made a promise to his son. Uh, he says, I promised my son when he was young that I would take him to see the Stanley Cup championship game when the Washington Capitals were in it. Now it took decades, but eventually cost me thousands to keep the promise. Wow. Oof. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, my dad promised me his truck, and uh, whenever he was like, he told me, when you turn 16, I'll give you my truck. And uh, I turned 16, and he uh, gave me his truck. So thousands of dollars for fulfilling that promise. There you go, folks. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, uh, my buddy on Facebook on the GRN side said, I was rebuked in philosophy class due to the fact that I refuse to accept man being in the category of animal. How, on one hand, we, are to, we, we tell people that we are not animals, but on the other hand, we tell them that we are animal in biology and philosophy. There could be no confusion. We are a creation of God above animals and nothing less. Yeah, and amen. Uh, that's true. But also, so in the, this comes. From, this actually goes to Aristotle, and he's when he talks about the different souls. So yes, we are above animals, but in the categories of uh, of what a, what a man is, we start talking about there are uh, we are rational animals, is what Aristotle refer, referred to us as, because we're like animals. Uh, biologically speaking, but we are higher than animals by our rational faculties, by our risibility, our ability to laugh is one of the things that he says uh, Aristotle refers to because we're able to tell jokes, we're able to receive jokes, we understand them, and then laugh about them. And so that points toward a greater degree of rationality. And our, Let alone skyscrapers, bridges, well, yeah, but advances, right, music, but, art. Right, but he's talking about a very fundamental thing that all people do yeah. uh, that is very fundamental to man because you could argue you know not everyone builds bridges not everyone you don't, you uh, don't build bridges. You, oh you tear them down i forgot yeah Sorry, that's bad. only james barton who builds bridges <laughs> uh but uh, the and then so in in degrees of souls there are different levels of souls so there's the nutritive soul which is just means that something has the ability to reproduce so for instance rocks don't have any souls whatsoever they're not alive at all but plants have nutritive souls uh because they can create uh they can have children, essentially. They create new life. And so they have nutritive souls. Now you have animalia soul or sensitive souls, which all animals belong to. And so an animal has everything below it and everything, but not anything above it. So animal is a sensitive soul, meaning it can, it has senses. It can move around, has a locomotive soul. So it can perceive things. It can move around. And so that gives it a higher degree of soul. That's why if you step on a plant, nobody cares. But if you step on a dog, everybody, people will care because a dog <laughs> yeah. is a greater thing. They care a than lot. A, yeah, they care a lot. More uh, than babies. Yeah, more than babies. <laughs> But they, uh, but an animal is a higher being than a plant. That's why you yeah. can abuse plants as much as you want. Nobody cares. Right. But if you blue, abuse an animal, you know, people care. It's interesting, too, because uh, as a hunter, I've talked about this. I've been approached several times by Catholics or Christians who, who have uh, not been happy that I hunt and uh, slaughter animals and feed them to my family uh, because I'm killing God's innocent creatures, right? Um, it's interesting because in the, when it comes to that, People get all bent out of shape if you hunt deer, if you hunt, uh, like when they see someone hunting like exotic animals like tigers 
or elephants or giraffes, things like that. But fish, they give a huge pass to fish. You well, can you can kill a lot. I mean, some people get right. bent out of shape, but very few in comparison. You can kill a lot of fish, and, and most people will not care. Right. But, but boy, good grief. So that goes back to... Hurt so, a puppy and yeah. forget it. Republicans and Democrats will come together. Uh, but the ask them to come together over abortion? Nope. Forget it. Not going to happen. Right. So in the animal kingdom, there are greater degrees of rationality. Uh, now, none have rationality per se. And when I mean rationality, they have a greater a degree of understanding. Um, and they are higher animals. So mammals are higher animals than non-mammals. So rats, for instance, nobody cares that we experiment on rats. But <laughs> you can't experiment on mammals because that, I mean, you can. I have no problem with it. But people get more bent out of shape because they're, uh, they have higher degree of well, uh, gets of intelligence-ish, but every time. Finally, the the category that's the the highest category is that of a rational soul, which are human beings, and that's a category unto itself because we have intelligence, which is different from like knowing things. That's intelligence is thought that we can perceive things, we can discern things, and that's a rational soul. So that's a different category altogether. But a someone who has a rational soul has everything below it. So we have sensible souls, we have mm. nutritive souls, we have local motive power, perceptional power, growth power, nutritive power, all that is in present in man, but we are rational. And so that is uh, yeah, a unique. different category, unique category of man. Yeah. Amen to that. I liked uh, Basil's comment today on the gospel passage, making uh, sort of referencing some of this too. Mike says, being a hunter requires honesty regarding where your food comes from. Amen, brother. It sure does. Sadly, people have a mental disconnect about where their burger comes from. Mmm, venison burgers. Yay and amen, Mike. I love, we, we love venison meat at our house. Eat it up. I've got uh, one one dough in the freezer. Praise be to God so far for the season. But we're looking for two, three, four more and uh, may God provide. But uh, that's going to have to do it for today. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Alec Baldwin story again. Uh, more developing news coming out of that about who might be responsible. Uh, I say Alec Baldwin is ultimately responsible, but... I might uh, record something and put it up on their on our social feeds. We'll have to see how it goes. But otherwise, tomorrow we're going to talk to Jack Posobiec about fake news and psyops in the headlines. That's coming up 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern tomorrow morning on Catholic Drive. Time. Do us a favor and share us with a friend. We'd be very grateful to you. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
Howdy, howdy. You are good. I can hear you. Mm, I saw. That's fun. Mm. Mm hmm. I hear you. Okay, you got me now. Yeah, I was just—I was just saying you got—you can say whatever you want about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry, she does anyways. That that should have should have heard her the last three weeks. She spent like a, entire segments just talking about you. It was crazy. That guy owes me money. Nothing good either. Awesome. What kind of was what kind of huh? Um the, the metaverse being metadata on, on everything, being able to track people by their Yeah. Mm -hmm. Logical inclusion of egalitarianism. I for I for one rec I, I, I for one welcome our robotic overlords. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, the,
Yes. You, you want to use me as the marketable product, I, I deserve to be reimbursed. Interview me. I'm I'm at the where the where the uh, where, where the I'm, I am where the the metal meets the meat or metal meets the silicon. Maybe we should get you on uh, sometime this week on the yeah. CDT show. Well, I don't know if you remember the uh, I don't know if you remember the, uh, the the death cards that First Cavalry Division used in Vietnam. You know, leaving you know aces spades on the on the dead bodies of, of North Vietnamese. Uh, the there is an army unit now that has death cards. I don't know if you can see this. Um, says we have robots and you don't in the back says death by robot (laughs) yeah ghost robotics yeah Well, I'll give you I'll give you this the uh, the the dogs with the, the guns those are all teleoperated. There's no autonomy, so you still have a human being in the loop. It's no different than someone holding a rifle. For now, for now, uh, one minute, one minute, one minute. I, I wrote the Army's Robotics Autonomous Strategy. 
I, I wrote the Army's Robotics Autonomous. All right, 30 seconds. Uh, going to put you all on mute. 